Thank you for joining us here at C3 Edinburgh. We are all about authentic community, unlocked creativity, and the naturally supernatural life in Jesus' name. We are praying that this message will bless you and meet you right where you're at today. For more information about C3 Edinburgh, check us out online at www.c3edinburgh.com. So we've talked about the parables of Jesus over the past few weeks, and I want to wrap this up today, um, sort of concluding the parables, but I just want to do a quick review. Because what Jesus does in setting out the parables, in, 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 uh, in sharing parables with us, he sets a standard of entry into the kingdom of God, which is so high, it's virtually impossible. And there's a chronology to the, parable, the parables that he shares. The first ones are foundational. And in the Sermon on the Mount, he, he comes out and he talks about, you know, blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall inherit the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who hunger and search after righteousness. He says further on in the these, he says further on in the Sermon on the Mount, you have heard that it was said, but I say unto you, there is a level in the law which already is impossible to to achieve. And what Jesus does, he takes it up another level. He takes it up to uh, takes it up another level, which is absolutely impossible to achieve. Now we need to get a hold of that because we are not under the law. We don't come from a Jewish background, most of us. We have not, have been, we have not been under the law for 2,000 years where every single area of our life has been dictated by the letter of the law. And so when we have freedom in Christ, we sometimes lack the understanding of what high standard God actually expects of us. And this is why we, is it, it is impossible to achieve it ourselves. I'm mean, just to give you this, this is a bit of a sort of, um, by point of illustration. So we've, there's, a, there's a, a phrase we use in English, cleanliness is next to godliness. Who's heard that before? Okay, right. Not wanting to embarrass anybody, but who has mildew in their bathroom? Okay. Handful of you. All right? All right. <laughs> Who doesn't know what mildew is? Okay, mildew is mold. Or it's like mold. The standard of the law is so high that if you had mildew in your house, then your house would be unclean, and you would have to have a priest come in and, clean, uh, and make a sacrifice for cleanliness. It would bring about the sacrifice of two birds. One bird would be sacrificed into the water with the water. It would be sprinkled in the house, and the other bird would be set free. If the mildew remained after seven days, every stone that was in that house would have to be removed. If the mildew remained beyond that point, the house would have to be dismantled and every stone taken to an unclean place. So who's got mildew in their house? <laughs> Seriously, who's got mildew in their house? Do we understand the standard by which God expects us to be clean and holy and righteous? It is a standard which, which is impossible to achieve. So the parables, he starts out talking about there is a new way. You've heard it said, where are we? Okay, that's fine. Yeah. 
there's a, there's a new way. The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is at hand. But there is a standard which is, and you go, I'll get into that in a minute. So there's foundational parables. The next load of parables are the important parables you want to talk about. He talks about the sower sows the word. He talks about the seeds being, by, being sown into the field by the enemy, he talks, that, which is in many ways about two kingdoms in opposition to each other, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. And then he gets into the parables about the kingdom of heaven, how its impact, how it can impact all, whether it's the mustard seed which is planted and the branches spread out and provide a haven for pretty much any, for all the birds of the air. That's the reach of the kingdom of God. Or he talks about the yeast, where the yeast is put in and it affects everything it touches. That is the power of the kingdom of God, no matter how small it is. That is the power of the kingdom of God. But as he goes through the power, as he as he goes through his ministry, he moves into what we call the behavior parables. So, having set the standard or, or having established what entry into the kingdom requires, he then talks about what membership or citizenship of the of the kingdom requires. And we have the parables of the workers, the tenants, the servants. We have the parable of, of the talents. We have the parable of the ten virgins. We have the parable, and we, we, then, we, then the next parables are into judgment. Okay? There's a progression throughout it. So, the, the early ones are great. The latter ones demand something of us. Very, very, very significant. Very significant. It literally is an all or nothing. Entry into the kingdom is easy of sorts in that it's only through Christ. I can't remember what my slides were, but anyway, number two, whatever that was. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, Jesus says, For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. Who, who can? Who can? Not one of us can. In Matthew chapter 19, we have the rich, rich ruler. He comes, how do I get eternal life? The kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is sort of synonymous with eternal life. You know, that is, that is the answer. That's the question. How do I get eternal life? How do I get into the kingdom? The kingdom is eternal. How do I get into the kingdom of God? And of course, the response is sell everything you have, give it to the poor, follow me. And it's not about wealth, it's about an attitude of mind, actually. And I'll, if we jump, well, we don't have to go there, but if we go to Revelation, and it talks about the, the church of Laodicea. They're, they're rich in wealth, but they're described by God as wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. And that's what the young man was. Wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. His wealth, his arrogance, his self-righteousness had blinded him to the reality that he, nothing that he had, do, had done was, was good enough for God. And of course, the disciples got this, because when Jesus said it's impossible for, you know, it's, it's really difficult for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God, they, these, the disciples have given up everything, but their response is, who then can be saved? 
Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them. With man, it is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Because it's only by God that we enter the kingdom. It's only through Christ we enter the kingdom. There is no other way. There is no other way. Fulfilling the law is not enough. I love communion. I love breaking bread. For me, it's just, it's, it's a time out. And when we used to be overseas and we used to have, I was saying this to Nathan the other day, when we had our team meetings, we, had, we broke bread every, every week. Or I should say, well, in fact, we met every two weeks, so we broke bread every time, every, every time we met. And it's a fantastic thing to do because it literally is a time out in your life where you have to suddenly stop, take stock of where you are, take stock of your self-righteousness and take stock of the righteousness that comes from Christ and once again identify in him. It's phenomenal because we're never, ever good enough. The sacrificial system of the Old Testament just reminds us we're never good enough. See, we, we don't, I encourage you to read through those passages because it's difficult. Whether it be a spot on your face, whether it be mildew in your bathroom, whether it be an itch that you have to scratch, the law addressed that and made you unclean. And yes, there was provision for that. But every single thing pointed to how much of a failure you were. My message title was actually going to be called You're Not Good Enough, but I figured that if that was the first thing that came up, you, you might think to yourself, well, I already know that. And the thing is, in our heart of hearts, we do know that we're not good enough. We're not good enough. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. I'm not good enough. And so what? The thing is, that's also the accusation of the, of the devil every single day. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. You're not good enough. I don't have to be good enough. Jesus has to be good enough. And when Diane talked about faith, that's, that what is what needs to be unshakable. Our faith needs to be unshakable in that what Jesus did was good enough, and that he is good enough. And I love, again, I love when we break bread together. My favorite passages are in Hebrews, because if you get a revelation of what Jesus did, one sacrifice for all time, it's done. No more sacrifices ever, ever have to be made from that point into eternity, because sin has been dealt with. It is enough. It is enough. Every day when we fail, doesn't matter. If we confess our sins, God is just and faithful to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Because I put faith that what Jesus did was enough. And I, I really, really need you to get hold of this because every single day when you wake up, if, it's, if you're anything like any of humanity, the, ver the first voices that pop into your head are you're a failure, you're not good enough, you're, not, you're never going to achieve what I've called you to do. I know what you're like. I know the things you do in secret. All of this. But Jesus is good enough. Jesus is good enough.
Romans, I think it's slide number four, if it's... No one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. I mean, we've got the whole testament. No one can do... No one can ever be made by, right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. In Galatians 3.23, it says the Lord leads us to, the law leads us to Christ. We are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who you are. Romans 5.17, for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many, but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. I need you to get hold of the fact that in accepting Jesus and putting your faith in him and putting faith in his blood, that, that, that that is paid the price for every failure in your life, that you now stand in righteousness. You have access to God. A concept that for the, for the Jews of that time and, and for even, even today is, is beyond belief. And when we lived in, um, in, yeah, when we lived in Malaysia, we'd often, you know, we were we're sharing our faith. We're sharing our, our, our lives of, you know, our, our life of Christ with those around us. And if you, if, you know, for a, for a Muslim, you pray five times a day. It's part of the, it's one of the five pillars of Islam. So you pray five times a day. And it's something which is a ritual. And um, not only do you have to pray five times a day, but before you can, before you can pray, you have to wash. It's what's, what's called a wudu. You have to wash your eyes, your ears, your mouth, your nose. So you basically, basically you just snort water up your nose. So it, eyes, ears, mouth, nose, arms to your elbow, and your feet. You have, to remove, you have to remove all of that before you can come into the presence of God, before you can come and pray. And a question we would often get is, how, how, how do you pray? How do you pray as a believer? How do you, how, how do you pray as, sorry, I didn't never say believer, because how do you pray as, as a Christian? And we would often say, oh, you, oh you, you can just, you can come into God's presence, you can just start praying. That's not true. First and foremost, we have faith in the blood of Jesus that we are clean and we're spotless. And through faith in his blood, we can come boldly into his presence with confidence. See, we do a disservice to the gospel when we remove the blood of Jesus and we remove the sacrifice. It's not something we like to talk about nowadays so much, you know, because it is bloodthirsty, it is gory. Coming back to this, 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 the illustration of the mildew. Two birds, sorry, one bird has to die in order for my house to be cleansed of mildew. It has to have its throat slit and the blood put into the water and sprinkled across the room. There's blood sacrifice. I've seen blood sacrifice in 
Malaysia. I've seen Korban, you know, when they celebrate when, in, in there, well, when they say when Ishmael was, um, when Abraham took Ishmael up the mountain and they went to sacrifice, and we know it's not Isaac. We know it's actually Isaac. The funny thing is the Quran doesn't, and the, doesn't even say it's Ishmael. It doesn't say it at all. It doesn't even identify which son it is. But every Korban, they sacrifice. You've never seen blood like it, just running down the streets. Thick, red, smells. Just the smell of death. We don't, we're sanitized from that. We don't realize the, the, the price or the consequences of sin. It is significant, but we put our faith in Christ. We put our faith in Jesus, and because of that, we can come boldly into his presence. Righteous or not unworthy. It's phenomenal. It's something which we, we just can't even, we, we need to remind ourselves of it daily. Now, I don't want to run out of time because it's a very, very great danger I will, as I always do. I want to get into life in the kingdom. So our entry into the kingdom is through Jesus. It is through Christ. There is no other way. That's offensive in this day and age. There is no other way but Jesus. I'm the way, the truth, and light. I am the way. There is no other way. Only through Christ. Only through Christ. But having entered into the kingdom, there is now a new law. It's written on our hearts. But there's a new law. There's a new standard which we to live with. As Nathan said this today, we're citizens of heaven. We're citizens of a new kingdom with a new set of rules. I don't like to use that. With a new way of living. Let's put it that way. There's a new way of living. And it's a way which is 100% sold out for God. That is the norm. It's 100% sold out for God. Now, the reason why I spent the time before talking about righteousness and sacrifice and, 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 and that is because you will not fulfill your potential in the kingdom if you are held back with an unrighteousness if you don't feel that you can enter into God's presence or you feel that you're unworthy, your lifestyle will be one of two steps forward and one step back. And the reality is for many, many believers, that, that's just the norm. We make two steps forward, we stumble, and then it's back again. And it's doubt and unbelief and unrighteousness and unworthiness. We slip away. We slip into the shadows and we... We don't fulfill our potential. God has a plan and a purpose for your life, which you cannot even comprehend. He wants to, if the yeast of the kingdom of God is in you and it's implanted in you, and if you're the seed, if you're the, the change agents in this world, if we implant you in a place, the, the change is absolutely mind-blowing. It's absolutely mind-blowing what God is going to accomplish through every single one of you here today. And I just want to say, Diane, God is going to do some, some amazing things through you. When you stood up here behind this platform, something just rose up. God is going to do amazing things through you. You are literally, the yeast of the kingdom of God is inside of you. And when you open your mouth, I was blown away just the way you shared. It, just, it didn't come out of, it wasn't lines on a page or whatever. It just came out, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. 
bless you. I want us to take hold of what the magnitude of what God is going to accomplish in your life. So as I said before, the first part of the parables were about entry into the kingdom. They were about the impact of the kingdom, but the latter parables are about life in the kingdom. Faithfulness with what God has given you. Faithfulness with the talents. Perseverance right to the very end. And that is one of the key things that comes through in so many of the, of the different passages. Comes through in, the, in, the, in, uh, in Paul's teaching. It comes through in, with Peter. It comes through in everything, basically. It's persevering right until the very end. Right until the very end. There's, there's something interesting about the parable of the ten virgins. You know, we've got, the, you know, we've got these five people who had oil. They had enough for the bridegroom coming. We had five who ran out. For all intents and purposes, they're both looking for the coming of the bridegroom. They certainly appear to be, but somewhat unprepared. They weren't actually, they did not have enough. They did not have what was necessary. They did have, well, let's say, can I use contingency? They, they didn't have enough to take them through to the very, very end. And their mentality was actually, you know what, by association with these other people, if I can just get a bit of what they've got, then that'll get me in. But that's not how it works. The door was actually shut on them. They hung around. They, they seemed to be waiting. They seemed to be looking for the bridegroom to come. But actually, their lifestyle was, what, was such that they weren't prepared. They weren't ready. They, weren't even, they, they, did, they had not done what was necessary in order to see it all the, way through, all the way through to the end. And by association, they thought they were going to get in. Like, please, can I have some of your oil so I can get in? No. Get your own. The door was shut on them. I'm going to run out of time. I was due. I wasn't going to go into Philippians chapter 3. I'll probably just tell you to use it as a devotional for the next couple of days. But Philippians chapter 3 is fantastic. In some ways, it's one chapter which is self-righteousness, a revelation of who God is, and pursuing Him wholeheartedly. I might even just leap in there. Let's just go to, well, you can listen, or you can jump on your phone or whatever it is. I'll just read Philippians chapter 3. For many of you, it's very, very familiar. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh, for it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. He's talking about self-righteousness here. If anyone thinks he has reason to have put confidence in the flesh, I have more, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecution of the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. Not really. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness 
of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. This is what, this is what Jesus is demanding of us. Let go of everything and come into my kingdom. Don't worry about that. There's more. Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, and, and all those trivial little things that, that occupy your life will be added unto you. Do I not care for you? Do I not love you? One of the most radical words that Jesus uses is, is Father. God was distant. God was approached through sacrifice. God was approached by a priesthood. Teach us to, to pray. Our Father. Whoa! Parable of the prodigal son. The father pursuing the filthy, ingrate son who blew his inheritance and had the audacity to come back and expect to get back into the house. The law would say, fire, brimstone, judgment, outcast, unclean. Stone him, whatever. Goodness knows his associations were enough to just pin him to the wall. But no. The Father throws open his arms. That is the grace which we, we need to comprehend. We don't take it lightly. We need to embrace it with, with, a, with an absolute wow. With an absolute wow. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. I tell you, I'm so excited for where the next series is going. That I may be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes to the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, a righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. This, this is life in the kingdom. This is life in the kingdom. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings becoming like him in his death so that somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. What that means is, he died, I want to identify in his death, that my sin died with him. And because he was raised from the dead, I will be raised from the dead also. Not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ took hold of me. Another way of putting that is like, I want to pursue him with the same zeal that he pursued me. That's what that means. I want to pursue Christ with the same zeal that he pursued me. I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining forward to what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Join with others in following my example, brothers, and take note of those who live according to the pattern we gave you. For I have often told you before, and now again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. You can go on. Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. We are pursuing him. We are running after him. We, we are with everything we've got, everything we've got right to the very end. 
and I stress the right to the very end, right to the very end, because it is easy to fall away. It's easy to be distracted. It's easy to, to in many ways, become like the ten virgins who, who aren't prepared or become like the, the servants who become unfaithful or become like those who are given the talents and don't use them. And there's consequences for that. Revelation isn't a book we get into very often. But there's seven churches there. And they're all good, sort of. But they've all got failures. And um, Ephesus... They're acknowledged for their deeds, their hard work, and their perseverance, but they've forsaken their first love. They're doing good stuff, but they've forgotten Jesus. That might be your daily communion. It might be your time in the Word. It might be fellowshipping with Him. It's about going about the business of ministry or going about the business of Christianity, but not actually fellowshipping with Him anymore. Depart from me. I never knew you. Did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not do this in your name? The church in Smyrna he acknowledges their, their affliction, their poverty, their persecution. He says, be faithful to death. In other words, see this out to the very, very end with consequences of which actually death. The church in Pergamon, they, they're commended for remaining true, but they've got syncret- oh, okay. uh, they've, they've allowed other things in from other religions to kind of corrupt and dilute or whatever the word or faith, whatever you want to use. I want to try to use simple language. The church in Thyatira, they're commended for their faith, their love, their service, their perseverance. My goodness me, is this a message for today? But they have listened to the voice of Jezebel and let sexual immorality and impurity into the church and normalized it, and they called out for it. The church in Sardis, they have a reputation for being alive, but they're dead and and they are asleep, and, and Jesus says, wake up, wake up. The church in Philadelphia, they're commended for keeping his word. They have not denied his name. They kept my command to endure patiently. The church in Laodicea, they're neither hot nor cold, they're lukewarm. They're rich in wealth, but wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. And he says, pursue the gold that I give and buy robes of righteousness, basically. I've got about two minutes. Or maybe more according to that. Oh, no, that clock's stuck. We need to pursue God. With this. We need to pursue him for my determined purpose is to know him. My determined purpose is to know him. That's what we need. Every single day when we get up, when the accuser starts, we need to just dial it up, you know, spinal tap, dial it up to number 11. Dial out to number 11, for my determined purpose is to know him. I am righteous and I, am, I, am, I can stand before God. Boldly can I come into his presence. Boldly can I come into his presence and make my request to him. If I'm not good enough, he's good enough. In him, dot, 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 dot. That's his. I'm not, gonna go, I'm not going there. But the promises are phenomenal. I mean, there's so much more I had to share, but let's... I've touched on the churches in Revelation. I'm going to go back to them. 
to the one who conquers. I mean, the prize out there, the reward out there is beyond our imagination. To the one who conquers, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Yes, please. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Yes, please. To the one who conquers, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone with a new name written on that stone, and no one knows except the one who receives it. Precious. The one who conquers and who keeps my works until the end, to him I will give authority over the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron, as when earthen pots are broken in pieces, even as I myself have received authority from my Father, and I will give him the morning star. Yes, please. The one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. The one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven, and my own new name. To the lukewarm church, he says this, The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, also as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. There is something out there. We need to be pursuing God with all our hearts every single day. The kingdom, the parables, the parables are stories of how we receive eternal life, how we enter into the kingdom of God, and what our lifestyle is once we, en- once we enter into it. I want to encourage you today to, to just live passionately, live 100%, live all out. Live according to the Word. Just giving. Your Word is life. Your Word is life. Eternal life is through the Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. Second Peter chapter 1. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him. This is eternal life that we know God and know Christ. This is eternal life that we know Him. We know Him. We know Him. We don't do stuff for Him. We know Him. We don't go through the motions. We know Him. We fellowship with Him. We don't want to just be members of a kingdom. We want to know Him. I want to know the King. I want to be able to come into His presence. I want fullness of life. I want everything that He has imagined for me. I want to leave everything else behind, forsaking everything and pressing on. And every single day, I want you to encourage you. I want you just to press on and press in with God.
Now, I'm not going to... I think every single one of us in this room can say, yes, I want more of God. Every single one of us in this room have at some point, whether it's today, whether it's in the past 10 minutes or the past half hour, have maybe listened to a voice which says, you're not good enough. You are good enough. You've taken communion today. You've identified with, with Christ. You've acknowledged that he, that he has done enough. And you are enough. You are enough today. I want you to make a commitment that, you know what, whatever was before, I'm going to leave it behind. And I'm going to allow God to accomplish what He will through me and in me for His kingdom.